And hello, everybody. Welcome to Friday Night's After Show. It's good to be with you tonight on Narrative. And here's Greg Oliar and LB. Nice to see you guys. Welcome to the show. I can't hear you. Good to be here. Oh, there you are. Okay. That's because we're not talking yet. Yeah. You were meant to wear a hat. And I went and got a cap and you're not wearing your hat now, Greg. What's going on? I can't wear it. Look, I can't wear the hat and the headphones. So hold on. Okay. So let me get my headphones working. All right. Here I am. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. I can hear you. Yes. I, can I gather hear. we're not on YouTube as well. On. So the headphones on. <laughs> now I can hear you. It's been one hell of a week. I feel like I've been on the air every night this week because uh, we've done. I think you we, have. We had an extra show last night, so I feel like I'm endlessly on narrative, which is fine. It's lovely to be with everybody, but boy, it's a lot of airtime to fill. And tonight's going to be really interesting because we've got a full week in review, as per usual, and we've got a hats. Hats are a signal for what? So LB, why are we wearing hats? Well, you know, you either flip or you plead the fifth. Oh, okay. So they're going to flip or they're going to plead the fifth. All right. That's <laughs> so the game you've created. A, it's a game. I just created it right now. Yeah. I feel like everyone is talking so much about, you know, the subpoenas, you know, these fucketeers, are they going to show up and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I'm obsessed with it as well. But when they show up, I think everyone feels, okay, they're probably going to plead the fifth. Right. And show what up. does that mean? And what we want to do is take, I'll take you guys through a little tour through some recent history and some ancient history, and you'll get to see some gangsters and just general horrible criminal human beings, all of whom are somehow connected to the former guy and maybe the Justice Department even. And we'll sort of take a little tour and kind of make a guess, right? Are they going to flip? Are they going to plead the fifth? Everyone's going to plead the fifth, by the way, but I'm, sure, but, so I'm spoiling so. <laughs> it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I think, but I think it'll help people to know, okay, here is actually something that happened before, and here's the sort of the person that's now um, filling that, that role. we're familiar with, like filling that role. Thank you, right. That'll be really interesting. I noticed you had a great show today, Greg Oliara, um, with Craig Unger, and I want to talk about that. But I first want to talk about your thoughts about James Bond, because I know you went to see that. Ooh, yeah. And I want to hear that, because I haven't seen it yet, and I hear it's really good. I haven't either. I'm not – look, there's a couple of, of caveats here. First of mm. all, I think that all James Bond movies should be permanently set in 1963. I do <laughs> not like James Bond as a 21st century character. He is not – He's a character from the Cold War, like right after the war, you know, a decade and a half after. M is very much a Cold War, World War II vet guy, you know, whatever. So I like Connery. I like that shtick. I like the camp. I like those movies a lot. I love those movies. Yeah, the great movies. These new movies, I I feel like, okay, I can't, you know, I love Daniel Craig as an actor. He's not James Bond. He's just not. He's Stop it. He's the guy. He's the guy that, that is stands my next to James Bond and, and puts on his coat no. or lights a cigarette or something. That's just not. No. But really having is. said that, yes. and I like Daniel Craig as an actor. I think he's a right. wonderful actor and I like him in everything else he does, but I just, I just don't buy it. However, as a piece of, of entertainment, it was you very, very good. I thought. It's your problem. It was, uh, you know, they try to get too dark with this stuff. I don't want James Bond to be dark. I don't yeah. need that from my James Bond. I don't need mm. spy. I don't need it to be realistic. I don't want it to be. I just want to go there and have fun for two fucking hours. Is that too much to ask? I don't want tears and longing and, you know, bad feels. Because he's he's a brooding character, right? Kick ass a little bit. Right, exactly. It's a movie character that isn't even, like, faithfully based on the character from the book at all. But that's okay, right? Isn't it okay that James Bond evolves? I feel like it's okay. I feel like he couldn't be the same person all the time. He's a dinosaur, and he's supposed to stay a dinosaur. Oh, okay. No. But 
Having oh. said that, I really enjoyed the movie a lot. I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought Craig That's was really good. good. They incorporate stuff really well. It's beautiful. They go to these crazy places and um, oh. there's great see I'm not a big action movie guy. I usually like get bored during the action movies. I'm, I'm oh. those sequences bore the hell out of me. I'm just like, oh, all right, get to the it's part just like you're like stabbing me in the heart. There's right a now. scene in this That's movie. It's like my living. Okay? <laughs> there's a scene in the movie at the end where he's like trying to get to the place where he's got to go. And I think they don't cut. I think it's like a, it's a, a shot thing. whole thing where he's like shooting oh, at oh, these guys. Shoot. It's Very really cool. cool. I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's a really good scene there. <laughs> Whatever. I, I I'm spoiling there's it. There's shot. an action sequence in the James Bond movie at the end. Shocking. I'm sorry. To and breaking news. And, and there's also the best part is there was a couple of little hat tips, you know, little things for the faithful uh, fans like me who have watched the movies for years and years. And I really enjoy those. I chuckled. No one else in the theater got any of the jokes at all. Even the many old people that were there just right over their heads, like Bond's hat flying through Miss Monty Penny's office to land on the hook. Oh, that's you know, such a good, that's such a good move. Oh, I love that move. How are Stop you going to recreate I don't that? This is bad. <laughs> this really is bad. Really, like, it yes. is great that there's movies really we could go see in the movie theaters again because those are movies you have to see in big screen. They don't look, yeah. they're not as good on the small screen. And yet the film sector, or what do you, what's, Ayatsi, is that how you say it? Is going on strike next week. Is that right? Ooh, yeah, it's a big one. Uh, yeah. We actually have a lot of labor strikes happening. Uh, somebody did a thread. I don't know who, I can't remember. Guys, I'm sorry. I, sort of summarizing it, but there are a lot of labor strikes coming. This is a big one in the entertainment industry, in the film and television industry. So it's Ayatsi, and it's everyone that works. Once, you know, there's the hellish process of actually uh, acquiring rights to a movie or writing from a blank page, having a script, getting la 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 la, right? So you get all of that going, you know, that's sort of called development, right? Mm -hmm. And then everyone agrees to make the movie, the money goes into place, everyone's hired and the lights go on, right? Mm -hmm. And you're filming, you're in pre-production and production. And everyone involved in that process, aside from what are called the sort of above the line players, this is all inside industry language. I'm sorry, everybody. That's interesting. Kind of boring. But so crews, hair and makeup, wardrobe, everybody. The everybody people that, actually making the, the film. The like people making that it. physically yeah. make the movie, yeah, right? The physically, people. they're doing it. The yeah. crafts people. Um, get, have to be careful with craft when you yeah, say it's more than that. I think you're talking yeah. craft yeah. services, but yeah, yeah. yeah, the folks that you know, the grips, the sound, the camera, everything. The people who always um, yell at me when I try to touch a cable on set, those people. Oh, those, yes, yes, we they don't, don't let you do anything that's on bad. set. Yes. You're yes. supposed to sit in a corner with and I'm not allowed to do anything. I can't move, a, I can't plug Shut in up. anything. That's I can't right. do anything. Those are the those don't people. do that. They're yes, going on strike because it's a you know, yes, no, I agree with them. They I shouldn't be doing they're going on strike and it's. It's primarily against the streamers. So it's the Netflix, Amazons, Hulus of the world that are not, you know, and they haven't struck, I think, since the 80s or the yeah. set. Like, this is a huge union. It's a very powerful union. This is the worksmanship of the whole thing of why you have anything that you can go to any movie theater or any turn on your television and anything comes on whatsoever. These are the folks really make it happen. And right. So their union is striking because of pension and, you know, payments into it. And Ted Sarandos is sort of like the big villain in this. He's really being nasty. So the strike was specifically against the streamers, but I think everyone else is striking in solidarity. So, so everyone is not going to be making movies just when they could be making movies. It is shutting down. It wow. is shutting. I think it is. I think it's going to shut down. And I'm wow. telling you, it, the amount of money being lost, like it's one thing when mm. us writers, when we went on strike, 
No, I gave a fuck. Yeah, you know, they're like, fine, we'll pull out all these old scripts, right? Yeah. We'll make reality TV. Fuck so you, right? We, remakes. We're always treated so terribly, right? Yeah. But and the actors going on strike, they find ways around all that. The crew? Yeah. Oh, good luck. Nothing happens to the just, crew. Oh my God. Yeah. It's just and so and we should all support them. It, it really is egregious. And they gave the streamers all this time. They kept coming back to the table. They it was really the worst bad faith. Ugh. So on the other yeah. side. So yeah. yep. It's going to be a big Good strike. For, and it, it's, a, it's an important strike. And there's lots of strikes, as you point out. I, mean, I think it'll the I think American it'll last labor force is rising up. So. Oh, really? <laughs> okay, yeah, I, think, I, I think let's not be biased here. Let, yeah. How is Jeff Bezos going to pay to send 90-year-old actors into space right. if he's got to pay right. these workers on movies? Right. right. I mean, answer me that. Why should they get pension and health? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. We need uh, to send William them. Shatner to space. Damn it. We do. We do. I'm so glad he went up there. He's bawling when he came down. Do you see his reaction? He was like really emotional talking to Bezos, like I in did tears. not because I do not care. And I was like, is that because I he hasn't been drinking for 24 hours or is that because he's been in a, out of space for 24 hours? I couldn't tell the difference, but well, you know, it looked similar. I noticed Bezos also just was more interested in the champagne. So yeah, it, something's wrong with him. Bezos? What do you think's wrong with him? I don't know. He's not normal. Well, Something's a little off with that guy. He's a little bit off. He seems you. very, very testosterone driven, but there's probably more than you realize. So what should oh, we do? Let's get, let's, let's get into the news. So the, just before we got on the air, there was some breaking news out of Texas because Texas is now the pariah state of the universe. Mm-hmm. Now they've decided to redistrict some of the voting districts in, in Texas, and it will affect you know Sheila Jackson Lee, one of the most popular Democratic representatives out of Texas. It looks like she won't be able to even run in her own district. She'll be competing against the other uh, African-American district representative because what they're doing with with the districts is quite remarkable. I'll show you an example of what's happening there. And so at the top of the slide, you'll see district as it was. And these darker green areas represent all these Hispanic communities. And, you know, this is why they were able to elect a minority representative from this district. Now, what they've done below is they've incorporated some of the Hispanic areas into these larger white communities meaning that the Hispanic communities will be basically minorities within these big white districts. Meaning if you're black or Asian or uh, Hispanic in, in Texas, your vote is just not going to count if you're voting where you traditionally vote, which is disputable. And some days you think that, uh, you know, especially Latinos might be more predisposed to being Republicans these days, but still it really is the most blatant racist awful. apartheid thing I've seen happen in, in America in a long time. It really is unbelievable. Yeah. A place where America is going to be viewed around the world as pariah state, a state that is purely based on race. I mean, it's, it's, I don't think people understand the perception of, of America that's happening around the world, that it's really changing how the world is viewing America as it used to be a bastion of freedom and a bastion of liberalism. And now it looks like it's becoming a racist state. Yeah. Uh, it's awful. It's very disturbing. I want to, I'm going to tip my hat right now to Rosanna Arquette. Yes. Who gave a speech at the Women's March with several people. And I know this particular line, she consulted with uh, Ruth Ben Giet, who's been on our show, is a dear friend of all of us, and with yeah. Greg Goliart as well. You know, she gave, she edited, but it was Rosanna really crafted a lot of it. You know, she's trying to articulate what's going on with Texas. What is the bigger thing happening? Mm-hmm. Because, of course, the Women's March that was recently was a reaction to the bounty and the abortion stuff. At that. Right. Um, it came up with this line of Texas is a laboratory of American authoritarianism. Mm. So with Ruth. And it's 
true. Every lie, every word in that is such an important word, right? That it's a laboratory. They're really experimenting there. It's on the front lines of how can we cook up? How can we use state legislature? How can we use powers within a state? How can we use things like redistricting? And she did tie it into the voter suppression that was going on. And here we see it happening. She was right. You know, the, and then American authoritarianism is a very specific thing. It really is coming out of our own DNA, out of our history with slavery, our history with racial oppression, our, our, our current moment that we're living through with all of this regurgitation of all this stuff and the twisting of it. And then we have the you know, this sort of what's happening in the education and with the boards of education and now a, a real push towards actually having a different point of view over the Holocaust now. Yeah, like this, unbelievable. this stuff coming out this, from these states, right? It's all from the state level, this bubbling up of authoritarian rule. And to how can they disintegrate our democracy to such a degree in order to, for that to sort of take hold and, and really have a stronghold. And yeah. Texas is, it's the laboratory for it. That but it's authoritarianism. It, up there. And it's racism. I mean, it's a racist well, yeah. Christian state. It's not just, you know, an authoritarian state. It's got these extra features. That's key, that's key to yeah. authoritarian states. Yeah, they're, always, they're always start with the other rising. They start with the subjugation of women and the stripping mm. women of, of any and all rights creating women as property. Mm -hmm. And then they come after LGBTQ it, right in there with women. Um, but then it always takes that turn on some type of racism or anti-Semitism mm -hmm. that the sort of othering of, you know, separating neighbors from one another based on their genetics. Always. This came up in last night's show when we were speaking to Sean Prophet, who's uh, the son of Elizabeth Clare Prophet from the 90s. Do you remember her? She was a mm -hmm. well-known cult leader. He was part of the cult oh. and uh, he was on with Jim Stewartson and Jim was talking about all the similarities that Flynn is currently exhibiting in his nationwide tour of America where he's using the very same prayers that Elizabeth Marie Claire was using in the 1990s. Her very own cult prayers Flynn is using today as he's going around the country basically brainwashing Americans into joining his, his movement or whatever it is he's trying to build. Um, you know, it's terrifying stuff when you really go, come down to it. It is. Do, Sev, did you guys get into where she got her prayers, which sounds like cooked up propaganda and semantics? It sounds like it came out of somewhere other than her yeah. prayer book. Apparently, it came from, you know, up above from the masters. That's what she claimed. Mm. It seems to me that there is another history to the cult. And we didn't really get into it last night. But I, I know that there is a history related to some, you know, wouldn't surprise anybody here, foreign intelligence, or at least local or domestic Sounds intelligence. Like it, to me. it certainly does. I mean, she, <laughs> she interestingly worked for a UN photographer named Leo Rosenthal in the UN in the, in the 1940s. And, uh, he may have been a, a spy. Mm. Um, and so maybe when she was his assistant, he, uh, maybe she got, he got, her, some, he yeah. got her some really well-crafted semantics. Yeah. yeah. And her father was also a spy for the Germans. So, oh. uh, so, you know, he's got a little spy history in the family. It doesn't mean anything, yeah. but sometimes it does. Sean is really un was unaware of it. Her son was unaware of it, or at least claimed to be unaware of it. Yeah. But these guys were like real, like doomsday cult, building uh, bomb shelters, you know, to escape the nuclear fallout that they thought was coming um, in, in Montana. It was really a, a different time, but it was the same kind of thing. This perpetual uh, ratcheting up of fear and almost capturing of fear. It feels like that there's a double motive going on here, that there's, Let's grab the fearful people and direct them into a different direction. And then let's also ratchet up the fear uh, so you get more. That's really where we're at right now, I think, in, in America. Yeah. 
getting back to Texas for a second. Yeah. Nev. Yeah, is there sports that the lone, in Texas? The, the, not yet. The Lone Star State is now the Lone Czar State because that's what they want to be. They want to be authoritarian Russia. Yeah. So just flip that S and T around because that's what you've got. There. Oh, now, nice. You, nice. Well done. Dave, there's your title for the episode. Yeah. The, I think the, I need what, what Texas has done for yeah. generations now is suppressed especially the black vote in mm-hmm. that state. Yeah. Exactly. If you look at the demographics of Texas and the percentage of registered voters in the state of Texas who voted in 2016 and who voted in 2020, if you just go back and look at those numbers relative to other states, it's significantly less. Whatever they're doing, whatever the suppression tactics are there, maybe it's, hey, you have to drive to this one mailbox and that's the only place you can vote in this county that's as big as Rhode Island or whatever, and you don't have a car, you know, whatever they're doing has been working really, really effectively for a long time. But Mm. the good news is in Texas, there are more people in Texas that are Democrats and on our side than are on the side of Greg Abbott and the authoritarian jerks. There are be redistricted Um, out of their their districts. That's why they are so desperate to do this shit. Okay. Texas is a cool place. There's lots of cool people there Mm -hmm. and it is a minority of neo-fascist assholes who are mm-hmm. seeking to do this, led by Abbott and Dan Patrick, the uh, assistant, oh, uh, God. whatever his name is, the deputy governor. What's the second man? Lieutenant governor. And yeah. the, and the, well, the, Lieutenant the, the governor, attorney general it, who's under indictment for fraud. He's, under <laughs> he's been under indictment for five fucking years. Okay? That's very authoritarian of him. They, are, they always are yeah. mobsters. They're always gangsters. They, they um, just ignore yeah. it. Did and they, in Texas, you know, they, just so you know that just so people know, the lieutenant governor in Texas actually has quite a lot of power. The governor is almost just a sort of figurehead. And it's the lieutenant governor that's in there doing a lot of shit with the legislature. It's but You know what you're saying is that minority white rule over everybody else it does sound a lot like apartheid South Africa to me. I mean, it just and the problem with apartheid South Africa is you get down the slippery slope of. Okay, once you start doing this, you've got to find other ways of maintaining this racist rule and you've got to start identifying who's of which race and starting to provide different services. It, it becomes a, a really challenging thing once you set down this road. So even though in South Africa, maybe their initial intentions were noble, I doubt it, but maybe they were noble, but it soon got into a very messy situation where they had to start controlling people based on race. And uh, Greg Abbott's intentions are not noble. I don't think he's inten- right here. He, he's not, his, his intentions There's are not nothing noble. noble. It was Texas, the place where they demanded that they have to uh, teach an alternative view of the Holocaust. Was that in Texas also? I believe that was in Texas. There was a Texas school was board. Texas or I think so, yeah. Was it Texas? Yeah. Okay, so. ask the audience. Because ask the audience. Ask the audience. <laughs> ask the audience. Guys, was it Lifeline. Texas? I'm looking. Well, they'll answer for us. They're on a but little bit of I think it was in Texas. That story is a big They're saying yes. Yes, Texas, Texas. Yes. Thank you. So this yeah. is the Holocaust denial yeah, story. Do we, do we want to talk about that? Are you guys uh, up on that? Oh, it's so depressing. Mm. I mean, I think it's just yet another another thing, you know, another notch on the fascisties. We're trying to do a little fashion because we did sports, yeah. but yes. fascista, right? Fascist. Yeah, not fascist. Not fashion, but fascist um, <laughs> out there, right? In in Texas, yeah, that great the, big old stupid ass belt buckle that they all have to wear. Whatever happened to the small government Republicans who weren't going to interfere in business and weren't going to interfere in education uh, and and all this other stuff? I mean, they just have become 
you know, it's still a I, I, I actually think it does us a disservice anymore to point out the hypocrisy. People get mm. really stuck in the hypocrisy and the other side, they know that they're hypocrites. They know that this is a reversal. When we all get all upset about it and, oh, you're such a hypocrite, yeah. ah, then they just laugh because it's a troll, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, we don't care. Yeah, we'll throw anything true. at you to distract you and to get you all up in your uppity uppity-ness, right? That's how they think of uh, these now this new domestic terror party, this old Republican party that's evolved into this domestic terror party. They love it when people are upset, especially upset around their hypocrisy. I wish everyone would just stop that. Stop pointing out, right? We spent four years with, with Donald with everyone saying, if Obama had done this, right? And even I did that a couple of times and it goes nowhere. Instead, it's just like, but we, should be presenting an, yeah, we should be presenting <laughs> an alternative. I mean, it feels to me like the, you know, team fascist is doing a great job of presenting what a fascist state would look like and feel like. Um, because they I have unity yeah. in, their, in their messaging but and in their goals and in their aims. Team democracy, which I think is the only issue going into the next election, it seems like that's the only okay. issue that matters is democracy. Team democracy yeah. is not out there messaging how great democracy is. We are going to know how great it is when we lose it. So, you know, there needs to be a concerted effort to you know, celebrated view of democracy. So people have realized there's a choice. Who do we need it from? Oh, we need it from everybody. We're doing it we need it from everybody. We need it from the, every single politician who's running for office and we need it from every celebrity out there. We need to make an absolute concerted effort everywhere to remind people how we got to be this greatest country in the planet, how we got to have yeah. all these rights and that nobody else has gotten in the world. We did it because we have liberalism and we have a, a democracy. If we don't have that, we just slide back into a nightmare where women have no rights. Look what's happening in the Supreme Court right now. The rights are being taken away from people. And this is the first step. And there's going to be more and more and more of these rights taken yeah. away. It's just the plain truth of what's happening. It's what's so happening. We, we need to present the alternative, which is democracy gives you freedom. It gives you equality and it gives you more opportunity. It's just the reality of life. And I think we need to very clearly articulate that's what's being actually directly attacked. Greg, on Greg, to bring it back around to Greg's podcast this morning, his discussion mm, with Craig. Craig. So good. Craig gave, I thought that was the best articulation of what the fourth estate has been doing wrong and what it needs to start mm. doing that I've ever heard anybody give it. We've talked with Craig about that, and it, I think it's just taken this time to sort of distill it down into really clear language. I think you should grab that bit. Greg and make a audiogram yeah. about it and push okay. that out into Twitter and everybody here listening, we're going to all amplify that because it's what he has to say is so good about where the focus needs to be mm-hmm. in our press. It needs to be away from this sort of, I can't even remember his semantics, but they were so good. So push what that these, out there, Greg, so we yeah. have it, but it was really getting away from this sort of competitiveness and the both sidesness and all of that and focusing on fact and truth. Yes. And yes. just report the truth, right? And it's getting away from the fairness the, doctrine and balance. This climbing yeah. agenda, right? Mm. But he was talking about how it came out of that section with Greg was talking to him about, your book is pretty good at kind of establishing <laughs> the argument that Donald Trump was owned by Kremlin and also a confidential informant. <laughs> and, and, and the FBI kind of dropped the ball on all that. And why won't anybody talk about this, what you've put together, right? Which is all there. It's pretty irrefutable. You know, a big part of it is, well, there's competitiveness with these other people who think that the Trump-Russia story is somehow their territory, mm. and they don't like that he's out ahead of it. And, it's crazy. Yeah, you know, so sometimes it's down to something petty like that, just petty 
book deals and petty mm. like sources for people who are on mainstream media, right? Who are the big anchors. And it's like, if their sources are pissed off that he has something that they wanted to have, then they'll come in there and say, well, we won't be your talking head or we won't be your person you can come to anymore if you're going to highlight this guy. So this sort of just the competitive pettiness of it. That's mm. what I wanted to, I really want that out there of like, just, I think we should be shaming people. It's like, don't you care about the yeah. facts more than you care about your fucking book deal? Especially now. I mean, we really are facing a terrible situation and we need everyone who's in this game, journalists especially, to be working together and breaking these stories yes. so, that, so that we know what's going on. But, you know, I think great. if people was- knew how many journalists I talked to and how many yeah. stories I've handed, like oh, they would right. be shocked. I'm yeah. not asking for a fucking byline on that shit. Yeah. Why would you do that if you're trying to really help the situation or say, if you don't do it, that the story's not going to get told. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, go ahead. Sorry. And I look at that. I was going to say another thing that he talked about, which I think is important is that the New York times for better or worse remains kind of the, you know, the de facto go-to. And if the times doesn't want to report on something, other outlets are scared to do it themselves for better or usually for worse. And the Times tends, Craig said on the podcast today, not to report stuff unless it's verified by either super top sources in the government or the FBI itself, which mm-hmm. the FBI doesn't like give out press releases and mm-hmm. say, oh, yes, Donald Trump is X, Y and Z. And the top government officials are not going to say that either when Donald Trump is the top government official. Duh. So, you know, it's lazy. It's lazy journalism. It's not, you know, there's a point at which, okay, you can have a guy saying, hey, yes, I'm the leader of the country and I say it's X and that's fine. Hmm. But you can also connect all the dots. LB, you you have the analogy on your podcast, on the World Beneath podcast, Hmm. with the, you know, the hole in the wall made by Wiley Coyote. Coyote. First through the wall. Okay, we didn't see Wiley Coyote, but it's fucking Wiley Coyote because we know, (laughs) you know, we know we can see the fucking shape. Okay, it's obvious. There's acne boxes in the corner. It's it's, it's his address. You can at least, (laughs) you can report enough to have people draw their own conclusions. There's ways to tell the Trump Russia story without making explicit statements. If you don't want to make them, there's enough yeah, smoke there, That's you right. know, and there's We've all been fire doing that on the for, mountain for years you know, now. It's, yeah. It's, it's yeah. It's, it, it really, but also it's, 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 it's what you guys also got into. That was so incredible. Greg was the talking about, tell a little bit about the Iraq, how Cheney manipulated. Oh, yeah. Can we talk about yeah. the balance thing too first? Can we just talk before we leave the media thing? Because one of the things yeah. that he said was desired by the New York Times to have both sides of the story is not necessarily the right way to go because this one side of the story could be completely false. And he, he was really underlining the, the need to focus on truth as a journalist. Yeah, that is absolutely true. I mean, it, it makes no sense to go after both sides. This idea of a fairness doctrine of a, to both sides have equal ratings. No, it's absolutely not the case. If one side is telling you a bunch of lies, as we've seen in the last four years, they don't get to be an equal partner in the new sphere, in my opinion. So there you go. Sorry, I didn't interrupt. Well, no, it, you know, it brings it up, and I don't like to use this example because it's so mm. extreme, except that in Texas, they brought it up today with this Holocaust business, mm. saying we have to both, oh, yeah, sides, both sides Holocaust, right? Yeah, both so sides I've, that. Okay, if that happened today, the New York Times would have to go find one of Hitler's guys Mm -hmm. to have a quote saying, oh, no, that's not what's going on. That smoke is something else. They'd have to have the fucking quote in there. Yeah, I mean, how do you both sides that? have all the evidence available. The Times would be like, well, we can't run that. It's only one side because the run side is correct. Yeah, the one side is correct. If it's if it's the facts, the facts are there. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, the facts are there. If the thing is true. 
You do not need two sides. There you don't are, need, no two there's sides. There's no two sides. There is only one side two at that point. Two plus two is fucking four. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So well, that's, uh, how do we know that? I mean, if, uh, it's Mars, exactly the maybe, problem. It's, uh, six, you know. Yeah. No, it's not. It's and you've got a bunch of but QAnon that, people running for government now, and their their version of what's going on in the world is completely yeah. bonkers. So we definitely don't want their version in the news. Like, I mean, that's you know, that's unacceptable. There's actually a there's actually a Kremlin term for this. <laughs> Is there? <laughs> because it it's is part the both sidesism is part of a military intelligence science that is yeah. in there for cooking up propaganda and getting people in these logic traps and these logic loops. Yeah. So that you That's can right. disintegrate right. You me about this. truth yeah. itself. Yeah. Wow. This was what years ago we were talking about. Yeah, I remember this. that. Wow. Thank and, you for reminding me. So us. when you see people that come out of the CNP uh, years ago came out really perfected in the art of this. Um, you know, I think it's time to look back at all that and say, oh, yeah, you were really good at that when when no other American was. It, that, yeah. That's not an American-born thing. And how'd you come out of that little think tank ready to go like that? Who's yeah. in there with you, Kellyanne Conway? Who was in that think tank with you? <laughs> and wh- where's the democratic counterweight like that. to that? We don't have one yet. You're going to start, start yeah. talking about the other thing that uh, Craig was talking about. Oh, Judith Miller. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? Okay, yes, I so- think so. What what that was basically when, you know, the Bush Cheney people were really good mm. at, at exploiting the New York Times or, yeah. or journalists in general. So Cheney would call, uh, you know, we think that Iraq has uh, yellow cake or whatever. They have mm-hmm. WMDs, but you can't say that I said it, but we mm-hmm. this is what we think. And then she read an article about it because she, vice president just told her this. Right. So she read an article. Mm-hmm. Sources at the White House say blah, blah, blah. Then Cheney would go on TV and say, "Well, the New York Times just reported that uh, right. Iraq has, uh, you know, yellow." Ca-. So it's it's the spin cycle of thing where he started it, but sort of appeared not to be the one to have started it. You know, they fell for it again and again and again. Yeah, um, I think it's the way because they knew that if effect. the New York Times printed it, then they could use that as evidence. Mm-hmm. To advance yeah. the war effort, right? With, but what there, no one's telling you is they're the ones who planted that information with the New York Times, knowing that how they were going to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the game. That's the racket, everybody. It's a big old racket. It really is a big it racket. Is. So you know, the New York Times is not necessarily the place to get your news. You can go to Prevail, or you can go to a Narrative, or you can go to the World Beneath. Any of those places, you get your news and your history. But the problem, I mean, the problem is, though, not to, not to denigrate what we're doing, but I, yeah. I would really rather that the Times be the right. place yeah. where we yes. can get the news. Yeah, I think I, so, Can too. someone go yes. in there and fix that fucking thing, please? Mm-hmm. Because 75 or 80% of what yeah. they're doing is really great, you know? It's not yeah. like the whole yeah. time sucks. It's a small percentage of it that's bad, but the small percentage of it that's bad is really, really, really bad. You know, yeah. starting with the whole op-ed page. I mean, uh, just turn over everybody there. I don't yeah. understand yeah. why. There is a real need to, you know, and we can't be amplifying the GOP anymore. I mean, they're spouting racist or authoritarian or whatever nonsense they're coming up at any given day. We can't be amplifying that. The New York Times can't be printing that with the same weight as they are printing a, a democratic position. It just doesn't make any sense. Thank you for spending your time with Narrative and stay tuned. There's much more to this conversation in our next episode. Narrative is made possible by viewers and listeners like you who join at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Join today and support truly independent journalism. Patreon.com forward slash narrative.